Thank you for tuning into Sochcast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show. second meetup group my name is Dennis Meda we have a distinct pleasure of having a good friend of mine over here and I'll talk about that in a minute but first and foremost uh, I want to take an opportunity to say thank you I'm not going to spend too much time talking about PGA or about each of us individually but but just enough to say typically the summer months are the slowest months and in in some of the other uh, groups that we belong to, Thai um, in diaspora, we've seen attendance got down substantially in some of the areas. Enough to say that whatever the number you have here, you multiply that by three or, or two or three at least, that will be a September, October, November target, Sunil. <laughs> okay, so Vijay, has asked me to say a few things over here. Um, so before I begin, wanted to say Michael, who is a good friend of ours, a fellow Indian Israeli, as other than Israeli Indian, um, but he's a lawyer too. So I said, okay, the first time I met him, I said, okay, you're a lawyer. Well, that doesn't count much in my book. And he asked me why. And I said, there are two types of lawyers. The ones that are real brainy lawyers who do like all this super duper patent stuff and then attorney and, and IP stuff. And then there are other guys who are rest of the lawyers which are basically chasing ambulances. And, and he looked at me, he says, well, I belong to the first group. And I said, well, if that is so, then that's called a true lawyer. Michael Benchimon is, is, is his own entity up here, and, and he's also associated with P, you know, PGA. Very proud to have him as part of our group, simply because his practice consists of nothing but IP issues. So IT going, companies and, and also the other tech companies looking at the IP part of the business, that's the kind of a person you want on your near side. One of the few things, and I, I, I didn't ask him to, you know, if it's okay to talk about it, but I, I will anyway. He's had his companies, or the companies in which he has actually helped me, uh, what do you, client to, have had four exits. Shall I say them? One was to Microsoft, was at 500 plus million. Second was to Qualcomm, third was to BlackBerry, and the fourth was... Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Cisco. I have a cool Cisco. Oh, wow. It's a full presentation. So, well, after I looked at that, I said, you know what? An attorney who can actually show his client exits of this type, that's the kind of an attorney you want to have in your, in your side of the equation. Um... There's a lot about patents. It's not just inventing something. It's a process patents, regular patents. And I'm sure Michael is going to get into it. So without too much ado, I just want to hand it to Mike over to Michael. 
So good evening, everybody. Uh, as Dennis mentioned, I'm an Israeli. I'm here in the United States uh, 11 years. So forgive my Israeli accent. Uh, today we're going to touch about intellectual property strategies and trends. And I'm not going to talk about legal issues. Uh, we're not going to analyze Supreme Court decisions or uh, PTAB decisions. We're going to talk about the business aspect of intellectual property, specifically how you can leverage IP uh, when <clears throat> selling your business or trying to raise investment from uh, VCs or angel groups. We found it very unique tool to help startup companies to grow their business. Uh, we meet a lot of entrepreneurs who seems to overlook the benefits of IP. And here we're trying to educate you as founders, as investors, about the benefits of having strong IP in any company that you invest or company that you are part of. So I founded my company, MNB IP Analyst, uh, five years ago. I was part of a law firm before that that brought me from Israel. And the reason I quit is and you know, decided to go on my own journey were for two reasons. One, I'm entrepreneur. I cannot work for someone else. Second, I felt that traditional law firms cannot cater to startups. I had to bill by the hours or by the minutes. If someone had called me after five minutes, I had to send a bill. And you know, startups have limited resources. So I said, no, the mo the, this business model cannot be sustained. So I came with a, bif a different model. I tried to help startups. Our tagline, and also the brand promise of MNBIP analysts is accelerating innovation, see to exit. So we are with a company who, the minute there is the initial idea until the exit. And I can give you a number of uh, examples, uh, follow about companies that we have, since we met first time at the coffee shop, we draw the napkins, the basic idea, and then they were sold for the big corporations for hundreds of millions of dollars. And my background is, other than uh, the patent law side, I um, did some science, graduated computer science, mathematics, and physics. Uh, I was able to complete that in three years, three majors. I served in the Israeli Air Force uh, as an engineer. I helped develop uh, radar systems. Then I served or worked for the Israeli aviation industry. So I bring also some uh, experience as a software engineer. It helps me to talk with my clients about technology in the same language that they use. So as I said before, this is where I came from, Tel Aviv. And I, I mentioned that not just because I really miss this beautiful beach, and I've been there just uh, two weeks ago and spent some time enjoying the view and the weather. But Israel became, in the last 10 years, uh, a strong hub for startups. And I think the reason for that is that, A, there is great talent of uh, technical people, engineers, scientists, Graduate from the Technion, had some uh, time uh, serving at the Air Force intelligence units. 
B, there is an ecosystem built for startup companies. And unfortunately, I cannot find it in New Jersey. And I think PGA is uh, one of the first uh, accelerators trying to, to build an eco ecosystem like that. Ecosystem means that you have a group of entrepreneurs trying to build a business. You have investors willing to invest. And you have service providers like patent attorneys or corporate legal CPAs are willing to work for equity or defer payments until the startup is uh, up and running. Uh, and, and I think over the years, Israel became today, uh, well, I'll put it like that. If you compare Europe to Israel, you will find more uh, companies from Israel traded in NASDAQ than companies from Europe. And I think the population of Israel is 8 million. Uh, the size of Israel, the land is as, as the size of New Jersey. So if you're trying to compare, I think it's, uh, to me, it's um, unbelievable. So we help startups at MNBIP, and that's my experience over 15 years. And we don't act like, okay, you have an idea, let's file it. We help them to build a real story behind their IP. And here are some examples of companies that we help sit to exit. Velocity, a friend of mine told Tamir, we met at a coffee shop, we draw an idea. Then it was the first uh, Y gig, 60 gigahertz uh, band, or you know, communicate wireless uh, over this band. Which in, there is infinite bandwidth. You can stream <coughs> 4K in minutes. Uh, you can use a docking system without any cables. He sold the company to Qualcomm for $400 million. Another recent acquisition happened uh, actually six months ago. Celso acquired the Datorama for $800 million, uh, first marketing analytics, uh, analytics tool. Really, they're the first to come with the idea, okay, let's see what, if you, what you spend on uh, Facebook and Instagram really makes sense for an advertising agency. Uh, another example happened uh, last month, they just closed. Palo Alto acquired Wistlock, cybersecurity company, $400 million. You know, and, and there are a few more. And, and you know, we're proud of that because we feel part of the team. And I would not say that the IP was the only reason, you know, the only reason they acquired the companies, but definitely it was a, a big decision maker for the company to making the acquisition. Uh, I can, you know, I, I will not say specific names, but one of the names here, the IP helped them to to win a bid war uh, and Amazon make a big pay payment just to get over this company because they had real patents that Amazon really liked. So as part of that equity, just so that you guys understand, in the beginning you, you worked with them without, with less capital, but more in equity side. Yeah, we, we, we help them. So if they have no cash, we'll take some equity. If they want to defer payment, we'll defer payment. Uh, yeah, well, we know. I met some uh, nice uh, exits yeah, as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was aligned with them. And, you know, that's, that's definitely something I appreciate. Also my wife. <laughs> so let's talk about intellectual property. Any works that you create or invent is, uh, is considered as intellectual property. 
And the IP rights are basically are belong to the owner of the creation. So if you came up with a story and you publish that, that's your own IP, that's your own copyright. If you come with a brand name, uh, it will go to the company, but if you have an, a patent, it will go to the inventor. Uh, <clears throat> you know, if you're part of a company, you, are, will, you will have to assign your rights to the company because they pay for the IP. Uh, but think about that if you, you know, any employee, or any engineer that is part of a startup company, it, you know, he is entitled to be named as the owner, or as the creator of the IP, but he needs to assign the rights to the company in order to be, the, so the company will enjoy the benefits of the intellectual property. So IP, basically, we can, uh, there are four categories. Patents, that gives the right to exclude the other from using the invention. Typically, it's for 20 years, since the day of the filing. You can file patents basically on any technology advanced. Uh, it could be a formula for drugs, it could be a software, it could be a piece of circuitry, it could be plant, it could be a design. So, you know, famous uh, lawsuit would be of, I would say it was a lawsuit, it was a really legal battle between uh, Apple and I. Samsung was around the design of the iPhone, and they won over a design patent. Trademark is to protect the brand. And it could be a tagline, a slogan, it could be a logo of the company, the name of the company. We trademark our logo uh, and also the, the tagline, Accelerating Innovation, Seat to Exit. Uh, but, you know, Apple is another, uh, Bigger example than my firm. So they have the iPhone, and a real story is that the iPhone was not in, belonged to, to Apple. It was a trademark that initially created a, a national semiconductor, and a, through many acquisitions, ended up at Cisco. So Apple, when they launched iPhone, they had to go to Cisco, and they reached some cross-licensing deals to use the name because they didn't want to have a legal battle with Cisco. Apple, the first name, was also an issue of a trademark because if you remember, it, was, it begins as Apple Computers. And Apple Records is a company in London that, you know, I think they, they, they signed the Beatles. So they objected to that. So Apple said, we, we sell computers, we don't sell music. But when Steve Jobs came with the iTunes, yeah, wait a minute. Well, now he's selling music, so they went to court and then they settled about the use of the name Apple. So it's really important to think about trademarks, to think about your names, and, and the advice I can give is, you know, come with your unique name. It's always good, it will always save you some time in, in trying to, to get uh, uh, around what is already exist. Trademark is another way to protect your intellectual property. And that's something very vague. What is a trademark? So it's a secret. You're not allowed to tell anyone. However, if the secret is revealed through reverse engineering, that it's not a secret anymore. So you you basically you can lose all your rights on this piece of IP. Uh, a famous example for a, a trade secret is the sauce that is being uh, used for Pizza Hut or Coca-Cola have a trade secret on their formula. Uh, 
the use. <clears throat> in, in technology, I highly recommend to carefully consider not to use trademarks because uh, if source code is, is easy to reverse engineer, semiconductor can be look at the layout and understand what's going on. Also in farm, I think uh, any compound can be understood by looking at under a microscope. So, you know, it's a way to protect your IP, but it has to be due in a very, very uh, conservative way. Last uh, category is copyright, and it's basically creation. Creation of, could be mu of music, writing, uh, could be a poem, a story. Uh, even a code can be copyrighted, but you copyright the actual use of, of the code, which means the way you write, uh, the source code or the, the code itself, that's copyrighted, not the actual operation of the code is, is copyrighted. So, as example, a leave, um, we, you know, we tried to, to, to show you the differences. So, the label would be copyrighted, the trademark and the slogan uh, it will be, excuse me, the name of the, co the company, the slogan, the logo is trademark. Uh, patent would be on the design of the bottle and the drug formulation. So in the one product, you see how you can really encapsulate the three uh, different forms or categories of uh, intellectual property. So as I said before, but other than the legal aspect, it's business tool. And that's the one thing I would like you to, to take from this presentation. Uh, you know, maybe some of you are inventors, uh, some of you are investors, some of you CEOs of companies. Think how I can make money over with IP. It's a business asset, it's a business tool to help you to grow the business. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. So it can bring with you, IP can bring, brings, bring value by attracting investors. Uh, every time that I go and you know, pitch by a company for investment, I ask about patents because that's what I know and I, I want to see that they will have some exclusivity in the market. Uh, if there is, you know, the, the, the CEO say, oh, I don't believe in patents or we don't want to spend money on that or I don't think that I have a patentable idea. So I said, you know, I have to spend my money if you believe that what you're doing is not unique. So it's a way to, track, to, to really encourage an investor to join uh, the company. It helps you to control the market. So if you have a patent, you can stop others from using your invention for, say, up to 20 years. And sometimes even if you get a, a, a small advantage, that, that's huge. Uh, I think the prime example is Amazon. They had a patent on uh, one click. Uh, talking about back in the 90s. And they were able to stop Burns and Nobles for the high holiday season from you know, using the similar product because they had a patent. Sales of the, the, this month were billions of dollars. So you know, one IP piece, they invested about 25K, generated them a value, uh, you know, over a billion dollars in, in, in revenues. Well, Michael, Michael, can I ask you? Yeah, sure. 
So if, if I look at the patent, uh, so are those filed at the country level? For example, a patent uh, uh, in the US, patent in India and elsewhere, or is it like uh, applicable filed locally, but applicable globally? Can you just highlight the question? In, yes, uh, so patent is, uh, it's give you uh, protection in the country you're going to file in, okay? If you have, if you'd like to have uh, international protection, uh, you will have to file in each country. Uh, there are some regions, uh, EPO, it's uh, European Patent Office, uh, will protect the entire uh, European Union, so you can save some money there. There's something equivalent in, uh, in Africa and in Australia. Uh, but, you, you know, I will touch it later, but when you... China is, is a big market. And now I don't know, but if you would ask me uh, six months ago, I said definitely fight in China. Uh, the reason is many players are in China, and also the Chinese government incentivized uh, local companies to have IP. Uh, in the last five years, China became number one in international filings of IP. Uh, it's a big market. Now, you know, there are second thoughts because of the trade war with, with, the, trade war with, with uh, the U.S. Uh, I think it will go over soon. Uh, but my recommendation to my clients is really consider China. There are two markets today, China and the U.S. Europe, it's okay, uh, but, you know, where the business, in, especially in tech, Software, hardware is the two uh, uh, regions. But if they reverse engineer almost every patent or every big invention, uh, <laughs> so does it make sense for you to take anything to China that has high IP content? If, if I file in the U.S., I will file in China because you can enforce IP in China. The way to do it is to go, go with the local company. Uh, we had a case that my client partnered with Baidu, and Baidu acquired their portfolio, and, file, and I think they had like a legal battle with, with Alibaba or another uh, uh, company in China. And, and the beauty of that back then, I don't know what the rules today, is that every patent they acquire from the U.S., or you from a U.S. company, they get back money from you know, tax incentives from the Chinese government. So basically it was uh, free purchase for assets, and that they use that to leverage on, on their comp competition. So, you know, all the discussion we have now is, you know, good examples why you need IPs. If you have no, if you have no patents, then, you know, what, what you can do. I will touch the last uh, bulletin, uh, edging uh, against legal disputes. So, you know, in startups, especially, you know, you, you will not go after Amazon or Microsoft uh, at the outset if they infringe on your patent. But likely, when these big corporations like to stop small companies that they see competitions, they will try to back them with their IP. So some of my clients will get letters from IBM, for example, who will say, oh, we invite you to look at these patents. Maybe you want to buy them. If we ignore that the second letter is, let's talk, okay? If the startup have some patents, we can send a letter back, okay, this is what we have, maybe you want to take a look at our list. And that's, you know, it create like a, a balance between what a small company has against a huge company. 
And usually, the, the way it's resolved typically is by cross-licensing. So, okay, we'll give you use on these patents, you give us use on your patents, and that's it. We had an example that uh, such a legal dispute ended up in acquisition of, my, of the startup that we represented because they say, okay, the value of the patents are, you know, makes sense for us to buy the entire company. So, you know, again, I, I, it's a tool, it's a business tool beyond, you know, being legal way to, to encourage in, in innovation. So revenue streams of IP, um, you know, it's all here, so it helps with sales. Uh, and collateral. I will touch that. Some cases, companies want to grow and need a loan. They don't want to go to investors and dilute the company any uh, further. So we'll go to some banks. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank is, is one that really helps startups in this area. Uh, okay, what is the collateral that you have? I, I don't need your PC. I don't need your desks. Show me, you know, real assets. So. Against the investment, or excuse me, against the loan, they will assign or they lean, they put a lien on the IP of the company. So if the company does not have any IP, then, you know, well, what's what you're going to put a lien on? People, people can leave anytime. Another way to generate revenue is standards. If, uh, you know, if, if you have some folks here that uh, from telecom or telecommunications, so, you know, IEEE encourage some uh, standards. So if companies file patents, contribute to the standards, but in return, take some royalties for companies that are using the standards. So that's an, a good way to generate revenue. So we're going to go over some strategies that we implement when we help our clients. One is to evaluate the core assets and decide what type of protection you need. So really, cash, cash is a king in, in any startup. They, they, they always look for money, okay? No matter what, they always look for another round and another round and another round. And they don't want to invest money on you know, expensive IP stuff. Right? They don't want to pay attorneys. They don't want to pay the USPTO. You know, if you go to China and, and, and file in India, that, that, that's expensive. So say, okay, well, I don't need to invest that. But you know, as I demonstrated before, it's really important. It's a key assets for the company. So I encourage all my clients and people that say, okay, even if you don't engage with us, you know, look carefully at what are the core uh, <clears throat> values or the core proposition of the, uh, the company and try to see how you can protect that. And it can be protected by filing copyrights, and you know, it's 400 bucks, and you, know, you can do, go online and register that. Could be trademark, which is relatively cheap. Uh, you can publish a paper and, and, and stop others from using your invention by creating public uh, disclosure. But you know, it has to be a discussion in the company to, that's what we have, that's our value proposition, that's why we're going to pitch investors, and now are we going to protect that? Because if there is no protection, don't take it in the back of the mind, then come, there will be a day that they say, oh, shit, I had to listen to, excuse my French, we should have took this advice. I will share with you two examples. Uh, a potential client and became a client, they called us, say, we have a problem. We were under due diligence. Uh, they were ready to put 10 millions in the company, but then they found these two patents that uh, your competitor started to assert against others. So what's going to stop him from using the patents against you? 
And they called me and said, nothing, because you have no really something to defend. Because, you know, if you had filed for some patents, you can use that for the course licensing techniques. Or if you were worried about their IP, maybe you can design around their IP and, and you know, have your own patents. So that's one example. Another example of clients that uh, were already ready. They have the product, they had some sales, and they try to, to re get investment from a strategic par partner. Strategic partner means uh, companies from the industry that they're going to do, a, for example, an OEM. And this strategic partner said, you know, if you have no IP, there is no way we are going to invest because for us it's too risky. We don't want that our competitor will sue us infringing their products through using your software. So again, it's very important that any startup will go over what they have and see how they can protect that. So I say it's expensive to do IP. Patents are the most expensive form of intellectual property. Uh, you know, looking at numbers, uh, pharma, you look, you know, patents in this field about 50K start to finish. Uh, software, it's about 25K start to finish. That's East Coast price. If you go to the West Coast, you have to double that. Now, there are some cost-effective ways to file for patents. Uh, you know, you, as a startup, so always look look at the defensive. Look at the file patents that protect your core a technology that if someone will go after you, you can use that as a negotiation tool. Uh, <coughs> file provisional application. Provisional is a cheaper way to, to use the USPTO system to uh, protect your invention. There are some ways that the USPTO, the United States uh, Trademark and Patent Office, helps inventors and helps small companies. It's called, uh, they have a program that you can pay micro-entity fees, which is like 25% uh, of the usual fee. Uh, you have uh, programs that provide acceleration at no cost. Uh, use that. The biggest question I always been asked is how many patents I have to file? And, you know, there is no really number. I met some CEOs say, I don't believe in patents. And I met CEOs that say, I want 25, 50% of the round to be to invest in IP. Both, you know, both approach, uh, approaches are, are, are wrong. You know, it has to be tied to a real strategy to understand what's the value that the IP can bring you and what you want to protect. So when we try to analyze the portfolio and the number of patents in the portfolio, we look at the investment in the research and uh, in development, R&D. Uh, we, we basically uh, use uh, uh, a number that up to 5% for the five years investment in R&D should be allocated to IP. Uh, we also try to cover the core technology. So you cannot do it with one patent. Usually you need to define a portfolio. And we also look at your comp competition and see if there are patents that we can file to block them from penetrating our client's uh, market. One thing I can share with you is if you say, okay, let's one, file one patent and that will solve our problem, then I, I, my advice to you would say, and that's not a legal advice, but the friendly advice, 
Use the money and take it for vacation. <laughs> the, the reason is, if you have one patent and someone wants to sue you, he can kill this patent through litigation, easy. The cost today through IPR, it's a procedure with USPTO, I would say 250 to half a million. But if you have a portfolio of 10 patents, or 20, 25, then it's, you know, you have to half a million times 10, half a million times, so it's a big number. And for startup companies, usually they will write a check to acquire the company and not go to, to legal battle and, and pay attorneys. So thinking about IP, you, think, you need to think about developing a portfolio. Please explain that. Uh, you know, let's say somebody has an idea for an app, and he wants to file a patent for that. Now, how do you create a portfolio around it? I mean, why would you go about uh, you know, filing five patents about it? It's just an idea. I want, uh, I want to come up with, a, with an app, but I want to protect that idea. So uh, what would you do in such a case? What we do is uh, <coughs> we don't look at the main idea, we look how we can uh, extrapolate that to different markets and we protect that. And then we analyze the technology. Okay, so if you uh, use, for example, special algorithm to optimize the utilization of I don't know, CPU time, then we say, okay, let's work and, and, and find how we can protect that as well. Uh, we look at the design, if it's like a very nice uh, user interface. Let's see what are the features in this user interface that make this app very unique and very, you know, magical to use. So we, 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 we look around and we do what we call a mining, a patent mining sessions. We basically, we, we brainstorm with the engineers to see what is under the hood and not just, oh, this is the app, that's what the app does. That, that's, that, that's the way we can find and extract more patent ideas than just, you know, one idea. And that would mean that just for the idea, or just to protect that idea, you would end up spending much more than uh, maybe the development cost. So sometimes I would advise not to file that, because not everything can be protected, but not everything makes sense to spend money to protect, okay? It's a case-by-case -case, uh, evaluation and decision. And right, you know, you can, if, if a guy would come to me, oh, I have an idea, I have a new app, and I want to file a one provision application just to show off to the investors. So come on, it's not going to work because sophisticated investors will know that it's fake. You know, everyone can go to the SPTO and file a paper and say, this is my provisional. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Okay. Back to the example of what the first slide, the second slide he had up there. Half of those companies, you don't even know they existed before. Velocity, nobody knows who they are, right? And what was, how big was the deal? 400, 500 million? So the size of the exit there justified having a ton load of patents as a, and, and variation of patents could mean things like, you know, you, you, I think it's a simple idea. It could also be used on for Samsung this way, uh, you know, on, on an iPhone this way. Yep. I'm, I'm sure you know. He gives it to you a lot more the, the intelligently than I am doing. But my point is, by doing multiple patents, you you protect it. You true, true value in that, you know. Thank you. You're welcome.
all all said all understood good but at the end of the day it costs dollars right i'm a startup you just mentioned you have patents which goes in billions i'm a startup i don't have that kind of money so how how do you make help me make a decision that hey i have a great idea you should patent but i don't have the money to put it what do you do in that case and I, i'm yet creating something which i do lure uh investor to say hey come invest in me i don't have the money it to show up front to the patent office at <coughs> here go pilot so uh, you know what we do is you know regardless to the discussion but if you are a startup and you want to develop a product and once you raise money you need to protect the development so that's the time you need to start to file patents if you'd like to file beforehand and before you pitch to investors then there are low cost uh, filing like provisional application provisional give <coughs> application gives you one year to file non provisional a real patent application real provisional application is relatively i would say not cheap but it's 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 low cost relative to you know yeah one can i make a comment yes, sir. i have been in the patent side for a long time what he is asking for is my suggestion would be file one patent then as you grow file more so you know it's it's not a either or decision means yeah definitely we build this portfolio over years uh, it's but if just to make sure that i'm clear here it's not one patent for the entire time of the company that that will not survive but over the years you need to develop a portfolio and what we do with our clients we define a strategy okay so first stage that's what you should do until you the a round that's what you need to do in the b round okay c round you're looking for acquisition these are the targets okay if you're talking to qualcom qualcom likes to see real patterns boom we go and extrapolate the number of filings you know it's i'm not sharing any secrets here you can go online and see how many applications filed by velocity for example so the portfolio size of the acquisition was about 60 patents okay it's a nice number for a startup company and they were sold after 4 years that since they started well every, every company who has startup has to have an exit policy uh, theirs was maybe 4 years my question is uh, you talk about provisional non provisional right at the end of the day as a ip uh, legal consultant you're going to help uh, startups uh, say ask figuring out if there is a alternative uh, patent already filed so when you go and let's say i i file a non provisional because it's low in cost i file a non provisional what is the probability that somebody else who has a similar idea uh, can sue me and say that hey you also the non provisional i have i'm filing something else and my idea goes just south right there apart from whatever investment i have So you're asking about the risk that you will be sued because you file a patent application? Yeah. <clears throat> well, you can be sued for any reason first. Second, if you have a patent application, so at least you have a tool to fight back. Uh now, if you are consider about having your idea in public, then there are ways to unpublish uh patent application so no one knows that you you have filed for patent application until it's granted. By the time it's granted, it's your patent. It's real asset that you can sue others with that. Okay. That helps. Thank you. One comment you made 
that you can stop from being public? Yeah, if you file in the USPTO, and that's only uh, uh, related to the USPTO, you can, once you file the patent application, you can request for non-publication, and they will not publish the application. Uh, means even before granting, I even, that's the policy of the USPTO to publish it. Uh, by, by, by default, all patent applications are published yeah. with, uh, 18 months after the right. filing, the first filing. But you can stop the publication? You have to request that. Is there any reason why it's not a default not to public? Why would anybody want to, I mean, before it's even approved, like, if there, is there any reason? Like, yeah, well, there are pros and cons. Uh, my, you know, my cybersecurity clients don't like to publish the ideas. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there are reason to publish. It's uh, help with damages if you sue letters. So you can say, oh, my invention was uh, out of the public. and. They, it was willful infringement because they knew we were applying for a patent. So that you know, there are pros and cons, and it's against. We have to. It's, it's going to be published anyway after six months. What, what's the point in stopping it publication from six months or six months or so? Because once the patent is granted, it's published. Well, yeah, patent is granted. You know, usually it takes two to three years. If it goes smoothly, it can be even five years. I've been gone through this process of patenting when I was an employee of IDF. I used to work with patent attorneys from New York and all that. I know how the whole process works. But a lot of that experience I can find, for example, for small companies. Okay, you, let's assume I file a patent, I get it. Where is the strength for a small company like me to monitor who is stealing and who is succeeding. It's a very big task. For example, I make a software, somebody steals it in India, and they are making tons of money. They are not here. I won't even know. Same thing with China. So only powerful companies have the monitoring mechanism or team to probe and research and find out, okay, this is the source code or whatever they have stolen from me. But small companies already filing a patent is uh, draining a lot of money. And where is the mechanism for monitoring out of million companies out there? Unless that company becomes suddenly big, like Tesla or something, you know, you won't even know. There are 10 companies who may steal your secrets, eat away all your business. You won't be even knowing. So in that case, really, the investment on patent, is it really worthwhile? That's a very rare situation because most of the companies, uh, you know, you know what business you are in, you know your customers, and if there is a patent, uh, your customers will tell you somebody, somebody else has infringed and all. Yep. Very rarely you find uh, that you do not know. Well, let's say you develop an app for a particular insurance application model. Right? Your customer doesn't know inside what you're doing, right? You're only showing some front-end screens and all that, what are the features. That features can be offered by another thousand companies. They won't even know whether they've stolen all the processes and all that. So I, I'm telling you, small companies, it's always a difficult thing. Well, I would say there are two categories of patent filers. 
the companies that really, you know, they wanted to protect their innovation and they want to protect the market and they want to, you know, make some revenue from, from IP. And if you're a real company, then you're going to face the competition. For example, you're going to a customer, potential customer, say, oh, X and Y visitors yesterday and they have a similar feature. They say, oh, really? We have a patent on that. Then, then that's for you a trigger to start and research if X, Y, Z, you know, is infringing, infringing on your patent. Now, there is no way, you know, to know whatever is going in the world. I, I agree with you. But as a business owner, as a CEO, or, uh, you know, you need to know the competition. You need to know who is trying to steal your clients, and that's a customer, and that's a first step to see, you know, if there is an infringement. Another type of filers, it's what we call patent trolls. These are people or companies today that they file patents just for the sake for suing others of infringing. And they have no products. Okay, they have nothing. They don't sell anything. They just file patents. They wait the patents to patent applications. They wait the patents to be granted, and then they start to collect uh, royalties or uh, licensing fees through uh, lawsuits. Um, their own goal is to monitor the big companies, small companies, and the like. And they will send letters. You know, you're infringing on this patent. This is what we want to ask. If they know, they will proceed with the lawsuit. So. In, for your questions, I think the best way is to look at the market, to look at the competition, and evaluate the com competitors to see what they are up to. And when we go and do this analysis, we examine white papers. आशा करते हैं कि आपको ये सोचकास्ट बहुत पसंद आया अगर कुछ कहना है इसके बारे में तो लिखकर बताइए हमें अपने फेसबुक और इंस्टाग्राम पेज पर सोचकास्ट ढूंढिए अगर आपको अपनी सोच दुनिया को सुनानी हो तो सोचकास्ट करो सोचकास्ट